Hey there, welcome to Blockhead, the Peanuts tribute podcast from a cartoonist's point of view. My name is Jeff Grogan, and I will be your host for the next few minutes to talk about Peanuts, Charles Schultz, and all things Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy, and Snoopy too. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome. Uh, Happy 2019. I hope the new year has been good for you so far. Here we are in February. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to get through February every year on our way to spring, but we're in the middle of it. We're plowing through it, and spring is on the way. If the groundhog is to be believed, it's going to come early this year. And uh, so in these troubled times, we all need a little hope and a little optimism. And so let's keep our fingers crossed that spring is coming uh, sooner rather than later. In the meantime, this time around, the format for the podcast is a little bit different. And in actuality, it's the format that I've kind of hoped for and planned on since I first conceived of the idea of the podcast, which is a conversation among cartoonists about Charles Schultz and Peanuts and the impact that seminal work has had on the work of contemporary cartoonists. How do we uh, assimilate that work? How does it uh, impact the things that we do now and uh, play out in contemporary comics? Uh, And so this first time around is a discussion with the cartoonist Brad Perry, cartoonist behind uh, the comic strip Pirate Mike, which can be found at gocomics.com, I'm happy to say. And uh, Pirate Mike is a wonderful a humorous strip about a 17th century pirate who finds himself uh, all of a sudden placed or misplaced in modern-day suburbia uh, with all of the uh, restrictions and and demands of uh, the life of a husband and a father placed upon this uh, pirate who is chafing at the bit to go to sea. So uh, it's a pretty absurd and funny comic strip, and if you like that sort of thing, I think you're going to love it. If you like pirate stuff, even if you don't like pirate stuff, you'll find it funny. It's really great. And Brad, uh, I'm so happy to have Brad Perry here. He is uh, an articulate student of comics, just as many cartoonists are. And he's an enthusiast. He's passionate about them. He's passionate about the work of Charles Schultz and and, uh, all kinds of other things. And our discussion uh, ranges from uh, Charles Schultz and Peanuts and, and all of the things that there are to talk about in Peanuts to E.C. Cigar and Popeye and Roy Crane and Buzz Sawyer to the Awkward Yeti. And uh, so it's a wide-ranging discussion. It was a long discussion. Really, uh, we could have gone on for hours uh, before we finally did call it quits. And maybe we'll pick it up again sometime. But because it's long, I've split it into two parts. So today I'll be sharing part one with you. And next time around, uh, pretty soon after this, quickly on the heels, I hope, I'll put up part two. Uh, I hope you'll find it as interesting as I did talking to Brad. As I said, he's a really smart guy. He's a really funny guy. Uh, He's really interesting. And uh, he's got lots to say. And so I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, One caveat, the sound quality is not the greatest. Uh, It was recorded with Skype. And Skype's recording tools, whatever they are, it's just a 
button to me on the uh, screen here. But uh, the quality is not the greatest. Uh, the recording equipment or interface, whatever it is that I hope to, to have for recording calls from Skype, is uh, and, and for podcast quality is not available for Mojave Max Mojave operating system yet so uh, I'm hoping that it'll be there soon so the next few times I may still be recording with Skype uh, I think the conversations are interesting enough one little glitch is my voice gets cut off every now and again but that's uh, you know you may find that because you're listening to me all the time you may find that uh, not to be any big problem so sit back and uh, and enjoy I hope you'll find it as interesting a discussion as it was fun to have and i'll uh, i'll check in with you at the end so uh, without further ado here's brad perry and myself so we were talking about i mean this isn't charles schultz and it's not really pirate mike exactly but we were just talking about popeye and ec cigars popeye and bobby london's popeye so what has you looking at popeye I love Popeye. I've always loved Popeye. I've, I've started, um, even when I was a little kid, it was always the Max Flesher Popeyes, but mm-hmm. lately I've finally got the last volume of the, of those, uh, EC Seagar Popeyes. So I've got all six volumes. I've only got four. Yeah. They're mine spells Pope. <laughs> <laughs> That's close enough. Um, but you know, yeah. I guess the question I was at a, um, the comic shop, in my uh you know neighborhood that i go to and they had the uh bobby london strips mm-hmm. and i can't remember i was sitting there and i thought oh they published all of the strips that king features rejected you know the more the more that i read bobby london's popeye then of course which i love you know mm-hmm. it's really a great take on the character it makes me want to go back to look at the popeye strips so and then beyond that my take on pirate mike is always going to, to draw on that little bit of pirate sensibility that uh i think popeye has some of that seafaring you yeah. know yeah mhm exactly and also the idea of a little bit of the more of the continuity to it and i love the um cast of characters that Thimble Theater has. You know, the more I read Popeye, the more I find myself inspired with Pirate Mike, and especially with Bobby London stuff, I find myself more inspired with uh, his take, uh, his, his way of using the character. I, I, I'm not, I'm not the, quite the iconoclast, quite, I'm not at all the iconoclast that Bobby London is, but mm-hmm. I really love what he does with the strip. He plays with it in a kind of postmodern, you know, little bit of Art Spiegelman kind of way, as you would expect. He plays with various Bluto's and incarnations. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I literally, like just a few uh, minutes ago, just finished that uh, sequence. Um, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's a great idea. Yeah. It really is. I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> Don't, we all. <laughs> we all. I think there are a lot of great, well, one of the great things in the Bobby London Popeye as well is, uh, I, of course, you love. I love all the characters. And that's something of Pirate Mike. Uh, that I love doing is coming up with uh, more and more characters and the, the world building of Thimble Theater is mm-hmm. uh, of Popeye is something that I think is uh, very uh, few strips are allowed today to have that kind oh. of a canvas to paint on. Oh, you know, yeah. it's really yeah. a pre-World War II canvas, unless you're talking about something like Peanuts. Right. Right. To bring it back to Schultz. Well, 
and yeah, to, to bring it to Schultz, um, and Peanuts started just after World War II. I mean, 1950s still in the, the after, you know, phase or after haze of World War II. 1950s, pretty, still pretty close. And you still have all those continuity strips in the 50s. So yeah. when Schultz began, you know, that, that uh, template was there, that canvas was there. Well, and actually, this gets us back to Pirate Mike, which is probably where we should start. Oh, uh, this is both about you and and your connection to Schultz, but it starts with Pirate Mike, which I've loved since Thank I you. first started reading it about. Um, I guess I first started reading it about three years ago, maybe it was 2015, 2016. Okay. And uh, I can't remember where I first saw it, but I, I got a real kick out of the idea right from the start, which is, I guess the connection to Popeye is clear. I wasn't thinking of it, uh, you know, but there you are. You're talking about a 17th century pirate who's been absconded and, and placed out of his time. And in 21st century, I suppose it's 21st century America, suburbia. Yeah. yeah. Pretty crazy idea. Uh, where'd that come from? You know, it's, I wish I could tell you. I, I, <laughs> you know, I really do. It's, it's in a haze. Things. Yeah. Um, one day I was, uh, I tell people I was getting ready for, I almost said getting ready for jail, getting ready for work. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, I had this picture pop up in my head that uh, of, of a pirate cleaning the gutters. I have no idea why. <laughs> and I just started chuckling and I thought, oh, wow, a pi- ha ha, a pirate cleaning the gutters. And, and I was doing a different strip. I was doing a strip about dogs at the time mm-hmm. and uh it took me a good bout of tendonitis where i actually had to stop drawing for a couple of months uh-huh. and by the time i came back to it uh i had been doodling uh this pirate mm-hmm. and you know and it was and it, the pirate the doodle itself was a mistake uh <laughs> yeah because i the pen caught on the paper it was i was using a croquil pen uh-huh. And I was just doodling and it caught on the paper and I turned that into a sword. And then I figured, well, a, a sword needs to be held. And this pirate showed up and I eventually just started, you know, more and more doodling him and finally thought, well, I'll put a few of these out there, too, because I had been hadn't hosted anything for a while with the you know full intent that I would get back to a different strip or the dogs or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things. It's just one of those strips where you're just like, oh, I still like doing it. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. And it seems to be, I mean, in terms of Pirate Mike, it just seems like the possibilities are so broad. And, and you're really pushing it with what you're doing on Go Comics right now. With the, well, thank you. I, yeah. I look at that as a good sign of health. You know, if it's because I've definitely tried other strips like, you know, we all do. Mm-hmm. And you run out of gas on them after a while. Yeah, yeah, that can happen. Uh, but Pirate Mike seems to have this rich, you know, reservoir of uh, possibilities that you're, you're playing with. And obviously, you know, the seafaring connection to Popeye makes perfect sense. But um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, the world of Pirate Mike and some of the characters. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. The, uh, Pirate Mike. Uh, well, like you said, I mean, he's a. Uh, what happened was initially I just had this pirate sitting in the suburbs it was, and that to me was enough. I think, you know, with uh, plastic baby heads, there is an absurdist appeal mm-hmm. to just That's... weird stuff happening, yep. you know, and mm-hmm. without explaining it, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to really sit down and say, Oh, Hey, well, you know, there's a nuclear explosion and it created, you know, uh, self-aware 
plastic baby heads. Well, what I wound up running into after a couple of years, I got comments back from uh, one of the editors, and I had heard from a couple of readers where they kept actually being confused over whether Pirate Mike was a real pirate or not. And if he were a real pirate, how could this be? And which initially kind of, I was like, well, he's just there. I mean, you don't, Mm -hmm. why does Bugs Bunny stand upright? I mean, it's a cartoon. Exactly. And eventually what happened is I said, okay, fine. I don't know how it popped in my head, but I molded it, molded this over for a good, you know, two or three years because I couldn't come up with anything good. I had him as a uh, a frustrated performance artist. I had him as someone who's gotten, (laughs) yeah. I'd had some. I'd have him as getting hit on the head and believing he was a pirate. I had it as, uh, you know, putting into some like um, fairy tale land, uh, you know, like the old, the old, the old nineteen mm-hmm. thirties cartoons where you know Laurel and Hardy get transferred into toy land or something. And then one day it just, I don't know, the, the I had been doing using the sprites because they right. were from a different strip that I'd been doing. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. They just curse them. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, well, pirates get cursed all the time. Sure. Yeah. And this is just a really lousy curse. Like <laughs> other curses are really cool. And Pirate Mike, of course, befit, you know, appropriately gets a pretty lame curse. He gets stuck in the suburbs. You know, he doesn't get like, <laughs> you know, turn into a death skeleton or someone that roams the seven seas. And right, right, there's yeah. nothing great here. There's no black pearl. He's stuck yeah. in the suburbs. And so from there, you know, Pirate Mike, I'd always been generating different characters just because uh-huh. I like making characters like come from a, a comic book background with right. my thinking but once once he um you know once the sprites showed up and they cursed him then that made a lot of, you know it's a little bit like calvin's imagination mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. it it or um for schultz to bring it to schultz it's like uh snoopy sure you know, once yeah. you've got a vehicle in there that lets you kind of do whatever you want for lack of yeah. a better phrase uh-huh. to me that's a good sign yeah absolutely Absolutely, because yeah. it opens up doors. Uh, yeah, you know, possibilities to take your characters and put them into different situations. Which, admittedly, you know, it's when you place them in situations that their personalities—it's how their personalities respond to those situations—that that creates the humor. And bingo, you know, yeah. For me, at least, it going. definitely does. It's really—I've oh, yeah. never understood that until it's been happening. Where sure. You, you don't know what's going to happen. So, you're, okay, well, I'll put, you know, I'll put um, Mike here and let's throw in this character or mm-hmm. you know, these two. Let's just see. Let's have them start talking. Right. And then they, they take off because they're, yeah. they're developed personalities. Right. It's kind very of like strange. to bring it to Schultz. It is kind of like Snoopy, you know, in the Red Baron or, uh, you know, when he, he gets on top of that doghouse, all kinds of things can happen. It's unbelievable. It is yeah. to me, the Red Baron, the only, I, I want, I want to keep, I read as much, I mean, obviously Peanuts, there's a bajillion strips. I mean, how do you read them all? But the one volume that I do own is the 1965 volume. Oh, it's clear. It's the first um, um, Red Baron. To me, that's just the height of comics. I think the interesting thing is uh, with Snoopy is once you put him on top of the doghouse, Sleeping on top, you know, he's sleeping on the peak of the doghouse. So once you do that and and Schultz turns him, you know, into profile view so that we never question it. If you go back to the late 50s, he's still drawing the doghouse in perspective. And Ah. yeah, in like 56 or 57, there are some jokes there where Snoopy rolls off of the doghouse. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but then, you know, he turns them sideways, turns it into profile view. And once he does that, all kinds of things can happen. He can sit there with a typewriter and I type agree. stories. Yeah. And he can sit there and talk to, to Woodstock and not feel uncomfortable. And, and he can fight with the cat next door or he can fly off in his sopless camel. Uh, small little change like that. You know, and uh, it unleashes possibilities for the kids. Ge- well, those are signs of genius to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just a little like that, a little tweak, having Snoopy stand upright. Oh, uh, I, and the thing that I love about Schultz mm-hmm. and this, you know, and I, I love this about Seagar as well. You know, people, again, people think it all just happened on the first strip. Right. And right. it's, well, no, Seagar, what, he came up with Popeye 10 years <laughs> into yeah. the run of yeah. Thimble Theater. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You know, and then um, Snoopy. Mm-hmm. When does Snoopy even start walking upright? Nineteen middle fifties. Mid fifties. So that's let's say let's say it took him five years to get Snoopy to stand up. Yeah, it might have been. Middle. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. And then how? And then think about um, how long it takes him to get him to fight the Red Baron. Right. Nineteen sixty-five. Yeah. That's so fifteen years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of daily strip do, of doing a daily strip until, in my opinion. The strip becomes, for my purposes, the strip becomes perfect. I'm very fortunate to have completed the whole, you know, uh, Fantagraphics reprint series. Ah, they're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, unbelievable. And um, it it is, and I keep going back to them to what, read the development in in some sense because we're cartoonists, right? We're we're trying to live vicariously, you know. Oh, absolutely. development. And also to learn, you know, um, the process by which the characters develop and Schultz's creativity develops, it's which is staggering to watch in those 15 years. But that's what a comic strip is. You know, you just don't come to it fully formed. You come with a kernel of ideas, but you have no idea. It's like popcorn. (laughs) Yeah. It's like it's going to explode, you know, like. Right. When? But, but, you know, it could be five years if you have the chance to get there. And uh, I think that's one of the problems we we face in um, syndicated comics, maybe not so much in web comics, but in syndicated comics is the opportunity, you know, for characters to start off nascent and and develop, you know, which is what at that time. And a lot of people did, but the time isn't there anymore. Yeah, no. Well, you know what it is? It's the investment of the um, the resources that the companies are willing to. Uh, invest it's seed money yeah. it's venture capital and yeah. how long are you going to finance uh one of my favorite strips is uh still uh bleaker the rechargeable dog oh yeah uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. how long of a run did bleaker get before king features decided hey yeah we're not gonna handle this property anymore right you know, two right. years can you imagine i mean schultz yeah. two years oh, two years i think i don't I think Charlie Brown is still kind of a snotty little kid at two years. You don't know well, Charlie yeah. Brown's not even formed. Uh, I don't think Linus was born. You know, <laughs> I don't have the dates in front of me. But oh, um, I know, but exactly. If you Snoopy went, or Lucy was just coming around the corner, so well, you don't have. You certainly don't have Woodstock, Peppermint yeah. Patty, Peppermint Patty's, and Woodstock are what 1969 and 1970. I think Peppermint Patty is 66, actually. Okay, 66. 66. And Woodstock is 69, although Schultz have been playing with birds forever. For but. birds, right, and that's true. Well, there's a perfect example, too. Look yeah. how long he played with birds before one of them, a popcorn kernel, went yeah. pop and became <laughs> Woodstock. Yeah, well, he said, you know, that that it took him that long to figure out how to draw the bird. Uh, and that. that's why the birds didn't become characters. He was drawing uh, the birds 
And all the way through, they're fairly, even when Linus is petting the birds, they're fairly naturalistic. Yeah. And, and it isn't until, you know, it takes him a while because he's busy drawing other things, right? He's busy drawing Snoopy and all that. Right. But it, and developing Snoopy, which, you know, look at the way Snoopy developed over all those years. Wow. Right. The Snoopy of the, of the, of my Snoopy of, you know, the Snoopy I love the most is the Snoopy of the 60s. Mine too. And, you know, but Snoopy in the 90s doesn't look much like Snoopy. Oh, the it's different. How many times Snoopy is a character of a, of a is a kernel of popcorn that pops multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't know? get many pieces of popcorn like that to drive home. No, you don't. And, you know, I'd say I'd yeah. say a lot of the Peanuts characters pop multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. Like you're saying like how many, you know, Lucy Schroeder, uh, they're all start Linus. They all start as little babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they pop again. Yeah, and they and their personalities start to grow and develop and in a very organic way. And that's one of the things, like if you go back and you read Schultz, you read Peanuts over a period of time, or, or it's true if you read Terry and the Pirates even, or something, or Cigar on Popeye, yeah. the characters develop organically over a period of time. And it makes for a much, especially when you read them in collections, a much richer experience. I agree. I feel than reading like a, and and not to diminish you know graphic novels, but it's like the difference between the Sopranos and HBO TV series, you know, uh, versus a film. Uh, we just watched um, a terrible version of Stephen King's uh, The Dark Tower. Yeah. A terrible version, and they try to encapsulate like seven books in one movie, whereas the Game of Thrones, for example, plays out over you know how many seasons yeah. and how many episodes to to tell that story where they did it right. The same thing is true in, in um, you know, comic strips. You have this wonderful canvas to play on. I agree. Have, if you're lucky, like Watterson or anybody like that, you have these years to play with it, and it develops organically, and that's really true about Schultz. You know? it, I think that's – Schultz, to me, is the standard in that regard. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't see how he couldn't be. Um, yeah. Is that – is I look at Schultz, the, the – characteristic of the comic strip that is so fascinating to me and then you know let's just by comic strip let's just say i'm referring to you know newspaper comics as we've commonly Mm -hmm. known them Mm -hmm. um is it is a pointillist painting but made over time Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i i there is a thing that when i pull back now there's a i can't remember i saw it i think it's at the schultz museum but i may have seen a photo of it because i've haven't been there yet. My our, our mecca that I have not yet visited. Yeah, right. I haven't been um, there yet either. No, I can't wait though. I'm looking forward someday. Um, I have to talk my wife into going out there. And yeah, the... you're gonna have to find a way to uh, work in some other kind of feature. Something else. Yeah. Is she a wine connoisseur? Does she no, be... no. You might so be in trouble, probably. right? Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> it's it's it is it is one of those things. They have a picture. It's one of those um, photo collages where it's made up. The picture is made up of a lot of smaller pictures. Uh huh. And it's Charlie Brown, but right. it's made up, of course, yeah. of, of all the little comic strips. Yes, I think I saw something of that. Yeah, yeah. and I think that cool. sums up Peanuts to me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's this long-term, mm-hmm. uh, long-term, uh, lifelong pointillist painting made mm-hmm. out of comic strips. Yeah. And you don't get to say at the beginning, well, here's my, you know, like you're saying, like a a graphic novel, for instance, where I say, okay, here's page one, here's page 20, and I filled it in, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to take you over your lifetime, and just like where you don't know where life is going, I think a good comic strip, you don't know where a good comic strip is going either. Right. You, you, know? you don't. You don't. No. That's one of the things I was, I was saying in the last podcast was, 
you know, Schultz didn't start off knowing where any of this was going to go. How if you could he? That early stuff. Yeah, how could he? And right. and I don't even think he knew what he was capable of. He knew mm-hmm. he was going to be, you know, a cartoonist. I think he probably had inside him this feeling he was going to be a great cartoonist, but nobody could see it, and he hadn't tapped into it. It took all that time, but boy, oh boy, when you go back and you look at the whole thing, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's mind bending. It's it's, mind- it's the standard. Yeah, and those um, characters, you know, I th- I think if you re- you know remember his last um, very poignant strip where yes. he says, um, you know, Charlie Brown, Linus, Lucy. Snoopy, how can I ever forget them? Yes. And and that line always sort of hit struck me as being an odd thing to say, you know, at the very end. But what I what I realize is that he was saying goodbye to characters that he really had come to know and love as real people. I agree. And unless you're you know, I think if you're reading well, maybe it's true for everybody who reads Peanuts. Maybe everybody feels that way about Peanuts, or at least I don't know fans, but the cartoonist. You do. I mean, I'm sure you feel this way about Pirate Mike, as crazy as it sounds, is these people become real to you. You know, it's funny. I put it in terms and it's funny you say that because it's only really been hitting me, I'd say, in the last couple of weeks Mm -hmm. where I've realized that I'm I'm a fan of Pirate Mike, too. (laughs) That's great. Great. Yeah. It's a weird feeling. I'm listening to you, but I I, I completely understand what what you're saying. Totally. It's very strange because I look at now the way when I look at other people's comic strips, like, wow, what if somebody gave me a chance to write this strip? What would I do with that character? I really like that character. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you idiot. You made that character. That's yours. (laughs) You know, yes, you get to write it. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. a really cool feeling, but it's very strange, too, where they are. And I, I think other people who do other creative work, fictional work, would understand where. You, it's a good sign, I think, internally that you should keep mining that vein of material mm-hmm. is you develop that feeling or that relationship, for lack of a better word, with this character. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you have a relationship with the characters the same way the other characters have a relationship with the characters. Yes, I agree 100 uh, percent. That is and that is bizarre to me as well. I know. It's like these weird little creatures are running around inside your head. And when you sit down to, to I don't know about you, but when I sit down to do uh, uh, some of the characters that I created that I love, um, it is like going to see them. It's like going. Yes, around. it <laughs> is. You're spending time with them. Like I miss yeah. them. Yeah. We, we sound like a couple of crazy. Old well, men. we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, I said to somebody uh, that it really is a, um, I look at it as, for me, at least growing up, you know, we always had, um, for my age group, you know, we always had action figures. It was always, sure. uh, you know, G.I. Joe, and then it was uh, Star Wars. And I'm like, this isn't all that different, I tell people. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's, it's still I've got that. these action figures, and I draw yeah. them, and it's not, <laughs> not entirely all that dissimilar. Because this is a, a Schultz podcast, right. let's bring it back to Charles Schultz a little bit. You live in St. Paul, Minnesota. You're surrounded yes, sir. Schultz, Schultz dumb. It is no small inspiration, I will tell you. Uh, I drive it could be around, intimidating. You know what? Not at all. In a weird, stupid way, um, it is. It's inspiring because uh-huh. I can't. I always grew up with the idea. My dad was a big Little Abner fan. Mm-hmm. My one uncle was a big uh, Steve Canyon fan. 
And I had a grandfather who was a big fan of comics before, as he used to complain incessantly, before they started shrinking them down to nothing. Ah. Okay. And so. And after my own heart. Sorry? After my own heart. heart. Yes. Well, he would roll his own cigarettes at the dinner table. So. He's old school. He was old school. He was was a guy. He punched out his uh, sergeant. I think he punched out his. sergeant one time during world war ii and wound up in the brig and we have this great photo of him just after he gets released from the brig he's popeye (laughs) he really is (laughs) i mean you can really see it they were big popeye fans but anyway um so for me the idea that you would ever make a comic strip is kind of like telling me that someday i would play in the nba you know it's like well that's not gonna happen right it's a, right. it's not something you, a normal person does. You have to be a freak of nature to do that, <laughs> you know? So it never, even now mm-hmm. it still is like, well, there's Charles Schultz. It's like, well, you know, it would be like growing up in Liverpool and yeah. playing a guitar. You're like, yeah. Oh, the Beatles, well, I'm not competing with the Beatles. The Beatles are just, you know, it's like Elvis. I mean, you're, you know, yeah. so Charles Schultz, what for me, it is a constant reminder though, uh, because people think of him, nobody thinks of him as a Minnesotan. Mm-hmm. In the popular culture, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. he's a Californian. And right. I like to tell people, well, you do understand that the snow in Peanuts is not, you know, Minnesota. California snow. It's Minnesota snow. That's Minnesota snow. Yeah. All the ice skating, all the yeah. hockey. It's yeah. very, and you know, they just tore down uh, his dad's barbershop. I had heard that, or was it you who told me that? I yeah. may have told you that because it really yeah. bothers me. O'Gara's, oh, yeah. You can't, you know, I go buy it all the time. I've been there in there a couple of times and they had some peanut stuff up. Sure. But they, you know, what are you going to do? The, there's a lot of development. For years, people have forgotten about St. Paul because everybody was so busy tearing down Minneapolis and mm-hmm. building it into a, you know, world class city or whatever. Mm-hmm. So all these old buildings are still, St. Paul basically still looks like it did in 1945 or so. Wow. And they're just getting around to really tearing things down. Sure. And I'm glad I was here to see it because being able to see like that's where Charles Schultz lived. This is above. This is where his mother died. I mean, this is, you know, you can we have statues of him all over the place. Are there really? Wow. Of of, of Peanuts characters. Are there? Wow. Well, you know, tons of them. You know, I live uh, I grew up in Endicott, New York, which was the home of uh, Johnny Hart from D.C. Okay, sure. And um, although, you know, he doesn't loom as large as, as Schultz, uh, he in, in the Pantheon, he's still pretty much up yeah. there. And uh, we were really proud of him. And he was an inspiration to me. Um, but there were we had a golf tournament. It was called the B.C. Open because the, okay. the county we live in is Broome County. So it's B.C. And it coincides with the comic strip. Yeah. Right? So, so there are all kinds of B.C. reminders all over the place. So I guess I can understand. You know, sure, St. Paul's got a lot to be proud of there. Why not put up, you know, as many characters as you can? Well, we do, and we still, you know, I drive by his childhood home. We have a, uh, we have an ice arena named after him in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. Charles M. Schultz Ice Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, and this was one of the funniest things. They recently had a big celebration of, you know, whatever it is, the state of Minnesota's 150th birthday or something. Uh-huh. And so they named the greatest 150 Minnesotans. And growing up in Chicago, one of the greatest Chicago Bears players was Bronco Nagurski. Yeah. Who, yeah. of course, was a Hall of Fame collegiate wrestler up here and football player up here in the University of Minnesota. I didn't know. So, that. you know, they've got a building named after him at the university. And uh, he's in, they came out with a book. 
the 150 greatest Minnesotans. Now, most people in the world who know of him at all think of Bronco Nagurski primarily as a Chicago Bear. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, I... but yet here he is. He's in the 150 greatest Minnesotans book. Guess who is not in the 150 greatest Minnesotans book? You're kidding. I kid you not. Oh, my Lord. And so I'm looking at this. I'm at the exhibit, and I'm looking at this, and I'm looking for Charles Schultz's entry. That's crazy. And I'm thinking, he's not in here. Yeah. And I thought, this is perfect. Of course he's not. You know, he would laugh his ass off. Charlie Brown didn't make it in. It'd be like coming out with the greatest characters of Peanuts. Yeah. And Charlie Brown is not in the book. Yeah, yeah. It is perfect, right? It's nuts. It's nuts. It's crazy. So I went to one of the exhibitors, one of the people there to talk about these, Mm -hmm. all the greatest Minnesotans, right? And I looked at them and I said, I have a a question. And he looked at me and I said, where's, how did Charles Schultz not make the list? And he gave this audible sigh. And he said, I don't know. I get asked that every day. I have no good answer for you. I'm Uh so sorry. Oh, my God. And we it was great, though, because clearly this I was not the first person Mm -hmm. who had asked, how is he not in here? Wow. (laughs) Because, of course, the other thing is, it's not a secret. It's all over the city. St. Paul is the state capital. Right. And there's Schultz characters all over. So all over the place. That's crazy. And they're like six feet tall. I mean, they're giant. Wow. statues wow. of the characters. And right. then if you're downtown, they're, they're in bronze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, also, in bronze? Yes. Wow. And they're, it's wonderful. So we've got all, believe me, Minnesota knows, St. Paul especially knows that Charles Schultz came, he grew up here, he created Peanuts here, and mm-hmm. I, what year, I can't remember offhand, what year did he move to California? Oh, it was late 50s. Okay. I think it was 58, 59. Okay, so he's, but, you know, Peanuts is established by that point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so this is not an accident. This isn't like he went out. It's not like some guys like no. that. You know. Art Instruction is still in Minneapolis, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, so, sir. So, you know, there's a connection there, too. Yeah. Uh, well, and so much of his life was, you know, so much of Peanuts has its roots in Art Instruction. Oh, it's, it. you know yeah. what, to me, the one thing is growing, is that growing up, well, in a way, growing up here, but being here for 10 years, it finally occurred to me one year, because I watched, you know, like all of us, we watched Charles Schultz interviews, and he's so sure. self-effacing. Yes, that was the phrase in my head. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and then there are other times when Schultz in some of his interviews where you can just feel the slight bubble mm-hmm. bubbling up of anger. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and I thought one day it finally occurred to me, he's a Minnesotan. Because <laughs> that's how a Minnesotan is. They, they hold it back. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Norwegian. That's what they mean yeah. by Minnesota nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Minnesotans, it, there's the stereotype of Minnesotans as being really nice people. But what mm-hmm. Minnesota nice really means is, even though I really want to punch you in the face, <laughs> I'm going to smile at you. <laughs> yeah. And the way that I get it is because I'm from the Chicago area. I'm a big, as you can tell, as everybody can tell listening to this, I'm a big windbag who doesn't shut up and I'm really loud. <laughs> well, okay. Thanks for it's just, just the way it goes. That's the, uh-huh. you, you're in the Chicago area. which is why we're called the Windy City. We have big mouths. <laughs> I live up to it. Okay. And yeah. during softball games, during, you know, pickup games, I am not, I've more than once, let me put it to you this way, more than once I've had a very kind Minnesotan turn to me and ask, where is that accent from? 
<laughs> and I'll say, of course, Chicago, to which more than once someone has said, oh, I'll bet it is. Oh, so it's not New York, huh? And that is the very polite Minnesota way of saying you are a loudmouth asshole. <laughs> and the other way you can say is if you say something, a Minnesotan turns to you and says, that is really interesting. <laughs> and so now I watch Schultz interviews and I can start seeing more of the Minnesotan. Code. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Schultz is a Minnesotan. He yeah. never changed. He's a Minnesotan who's living in exile in California, uh-huh. skating to the point where he builds his own ice rink. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, you know like, that well of anger is there right from the beginning. Yes, you it know? is. Oh, that, for the first strip. You know, how here I comes hate Charlie him. Brown. Yep. Good old Charlie Brown. How I hate him. Yeah, yeah. that that's there right from the beginning. It's wow. the DNA of the strip. Yeah. It's well, and right. The phrase always was. It's amazing that Peanuts characters have assimilated so well, you know, and and have become merchandised to the point yeah. where you know, they're they're cuddly, cute little characters, much like Popeye. Right. But the reality of it is, is that they're pretty thorny characters, mm-hmm. and and that was, you know, Schultz has tapped into that that anger, that well of anger he had, and it fueled the whole comic strip and the and the relationships all come from that place but it's funny that he cloaked it in these characters that really for so many people you know and for children yeah look and seem so cuddly because you know i became a peanuts fan uh when i was first learning how to read you know okay sure five years old and uh charlie brown's christmas was on and everybody's crazy it was the heyday of peanuts right and uh, yeah. five years old, what do you know about, you know, Charlie Brown's depression? What do you know Nothing. about, right. you know, uh, Linus's angst or Lucy's, you know, um, domineering personality? You don't know anything about, you know, those kinds of issues and, and yet, or what a psychiatric booth is about. Yeah. But, you know, I love those characters right right from, from then. There's something cuddly and accessible about them. Well, it's a great them. mix that I tell you what, with Pirate Mike, I'm aiming for <clears throat> you know, uh-huh. I really want that um, ability to function like Schultz does with a foot in two worlds. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, you, and your characters are short too; they fit within a panel size. That is not an accident. Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. You know, I'll tell you what I've had. Um, I have a um, one of my greatest sources of comic strip education is a uh, shower curtain I own that is a series of uh, peanut strips. Really. And the way that my uh, this is more information than anybody could possibly want to know about how comic strips work. (laughs) But uh, in my bathroom, if you are, say, quote unquote, sitting down, you have a lot of time to stare at this (laughs) shower curtain. And I have studied and it's a great shower curtain because it shows peanut strips from all Uh except for that very first phase. Uh-huh. It shows Peanuts characters, I would say, from the late 60s up to the end when his line becomes almost an abstract act in itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, that's one hell of a shower curtain. It is, a, it is an incredible education because yeah. <laughs> it's blown up so big, you uh-huh. can really see his lines. You can see where he made, quote unquote, mistakes. Oh, yeah. You can see where he fixed things. You can see that Snoopy especially, but the character of his line developed. Which, you know, people say, oh, and then he, you know, had a heart attack and his line deteriorated, to which I respond, no, mm-hmm. it entered a new phase. Right. 
Right. You know, right. Schultz's yeah. line is its own character. Oh, man. Yeah. It really it, is. You know, that, I. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Oh, well, I, I was just going to say, I uh, speaking of his line, I just got um, uh, the artist's edition. Uh, oh, I want Debbie. that. Yeah, it's great. And, and it's fabulous. And it's I can't remember the size, but, you know, and it's only like about two thirds the size of the original strips. And it's still like, you know, what is it, 24 inches across? You That's know, incredible. Huge book. And it's got early strips up until 57, I think. 57 is the year, and I said this in the last podcast too, 57 is the year it really coalesces when yeah, Peanuts okay. becomes Peanuts and uh, enters its classic period. And you can look at, there's a, there's a real distinct difference between even two, three years before the line in that and how it develops in its classic phase. It becomes, it, it he's, it, it's like there's a quality in the early strips where you can see that he is, uh, he's not fussing, he's not fussing over it, but he's very, the lines are very rich and they have this kind of cared for quality. Yes. You get to the 57, it's become natural and organic. I, and he doesn't fuss over them in any way. There's, yeah. uh, maybe he's using a different pen point, but there's a, almost like a, a slight brittleness to the line in, in beginning with that classic period, a little thinner, not quite as heavy, okay. and, uh, perfectly suited to, to, um, that period and uh, what goes on in that period, but it's really interesting to watch his artwork develop. Because and to me, it's the it's one of the keys of comic strips uh -huh, is uh -huh. being able to watch the characters develop in their line. It, yeah, it, yeah. You know, the, the the art, like I was looking at another Minnesotan, Cliff Starrett, looking uh -huh, at Polly and Pals. Yep. Mm -hmm. And how much that changes. Oh yeah. Over the, and of course, Polly and her pals a different way than Schultz does. I don't think he's oh, as very characters are as depressed as Schultz, obviously, right. but still a little bit of that Minnesotan sensibility where they're like, you know, deep down inside what a Minnesotan really wants to say to you is, oh, you think you're hot stuff, huh? Yeah. Polly's, uh, what is it, her father? Polly's father. Pa. Pa, pa. Perkins. Yeah, he's the, he, that's Perkins. where he puts that quality in there. Oh, it's so, well, exactly. That is where it's, it shows up in Pa Perkins and he takes over the strip. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He does. And he becomes the, the main character and Polly kind of drifts off, uh, you know, whereas you can tell Starrett loves dealing with, with uh, Pa. Yeah. Um, so when you think about it's really interesting, you know, obviously you've surrounded yourself <laughs> literally. Literally in Charles Schultz's work, you're living in Charles Schultz's hometown and, and trying to live in his house, but they keep you're, kicking yeah. me out. <laughs> and and you've got you know uh bathroom reading material built into the, built into, into the, the house yes into the house into the decor right uh, pretty trippy uh, so when you think about obviously you think about schultz in in multiple ways then you're thinking about him you know not only in terms of character development but you're thinking about him in terms of structure and yeah and in terms of artwork i tried uh, yeah i mean how do you see Schultz's impact on Pirate Mike? Um, I think that Schultz is the first person who got me to think, and it's exactly what you're talking about, who got me to think in long terms, like uh -huh. for the pen line. Like, you know, I'm like you're saying, when your editor, your inner editor takes over mm -hmm. is when you stop realizing, I just have to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. where does the pen line come from? Does it come from a preconceived idea of what you want your pen line to look like? No, it comes from doing it. 
Mm-hmm. And the more I realized how long it took Schultz to put, get pushed to the point where something had to happen, you mm-hmm. only get there by doing it over and over and over and over and over again and not stopping. Yeah. And, and one of the things this is, I think, true of Pirate Mike, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Schultz learned over a period of years what was essential for for each strip what was essential for the world uh that peanuts the characters inhabited in order for it to work the way he wanted it to work on the on the level you know that the the intellectual and emotional levels that he wanted it to work on there's a to me he reaches he really reaches this this height of you know perfection in terms of balance in terms of uh the information visually he's yes along with the emotional, psychological and, uh, information you get from the storyline. It's like a yeah. perfect balance between the two. Finding Because the early stuff, you know, he's still worried about drawing houses and perspective. I agree. Correct. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So as time goes on, he, he, whittles, it, he whittles away at what, what he puts into the, into the visuals. Yeah. And, and that's the, a big struggle for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what, like, if you looked at my most, if you looked at my most recent storyline, like I made a, purpose conscious effort mm-hmm. to work on settings backgrounds mm-hmm. and stuff like uh, that uh-huh. um because schultz is there is a fine line between minimalism mm-hmm. and just not putting enough of a setting into the strip yeah and yeah. i think people especially today there's it's easy to make the excuse why i don't do backgrounds well you know schultz didn't do backgrounds uh-huh to uh-huh. the same extent that we ever, you, there, it's not a little Abner background. It's not a Terry and the Pirates background. Right. And to which, you know, my response is yes, but Schultz is like, is a almost a mystic in his use of negative space. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's purposeful. It's yeah. not that he just didn't draw a house. Right. Okay. It's that he left it out because like, I don't know how to better put it. It's peanuts becomes perfectly distilled. Yeah. I agree. There's, you know, the corner of a house and a stoop is enough, you know, if that, yeah, like you said, I think a great comment you made that I loved earlier is let's look at Snoopy's doghouse. Yeah. How much information do you need? I look back now when I read those earlier strips and when he puts the doghouse in, you know, two point perspective, it's really alarming. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. It's it's just what is that? That's the front of the Snoopy's doghouse has a front. Yeah. Wait, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> yeah, most know? people have never seen that. Uh, if you if you're not a purist, you know, or, or a collector or something like we are, uh, right? You, know, you may, ne- I mean, the population as a whole may never have seen Snoopy's doghouse in three quarter view, but they never saw I- Snoopy as a puppy. Yeah, as a puppy, right? Exactly. So you know, if you look back at those early strips and you talk about again how mm-hmm. it develops and how Schultz. And that only comes from doing it over time. And I, again, mm-hmm. Schultz was a baseball guy too, obviously with mm-hmm. peanuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a little bit like a pitcher in yeah. baseball, when, especially in the sixties and the fifties where, you know, you pitch the complete game was the expected. Yeah. And during the season you go through phases of dead arm, yeah. you know, and some days you go out there and you don't have your best pitch mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to get yeah. hammered, but you still got to throw, you still yeah. got nine innings ahead of you. Well, and yeah, absolutely, you get. And Schultz was definitely the completest. You know, he was there for the complete, the the long haul, the complete game. And it forces uh, him to be very creative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he pushes it. And and yeah. 
you know, we've both read uh, enough material and, and seen enough interviews with him to know that there are times when he was, you know, had a, a fallow period also. Absolutely the office and not come up with any ideas and say, why did I come here? And then the next day goes in and there's a thousand ideas. Well, here's the big one that I want to talk about. And this is something that drives me nuts is people's eagerness. I think it's a, it's a um, affectation that people have have adopted to claim that peanuts went into decline for its last 30 years. Right. And my response to that normally is I'll say, I really, I I want to say, well, let's really go for it. Let's start analyzing peanuts in 1980. You know, don't even give them the seventies. Say let's, Mm -hmm. let's say the seventies is still, you know, fine, but let's say justify to me the 1980s, justify to me rerun and Snoopy's brothers and et cetera, et cetera, which mm-hmm. is, you know, normally where somebody wants to enter that discussion. Mm-hmm. And the thing to me, and especially his line after he gets, after he has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I really want to say to them, this is where it really, in my opinion, peanuts most becomes art. Hmm. Okay. This is where it becomes human in that. Let's see what art looks like when you're doing it in your sixties. Let's see huh. what art looks like when you're doing it in your seventies. Let's see what art looks like after you've had a heart attack. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we're missing the point because, of course, people like I think Bill Watterson talks about it himself. The mania that has been developed for the um, money shot, the punchline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Schultz is so much like jazz in that respect. I'm not saying I'm not I'm hardly the first person to suggest that, but that it's about a about a groove mm-hmm. that he gets mm-hmm. into. And I want to analyze what Schultz's groove looks like in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. Because I think it's so dis, it's so um, quickly and readily discarded as almost a sign, a badge of um, discernment, of a discerning reader to sneer at Schultz's last 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And agree. it is to the point of being obnoxious. <laughs> um, and I think this really hits its... It's uh, the high point. Have you come across any of these fascinating articles? I say that sarcastically that claim that Snoopy ruined peanuts. No, and I wouldn't read them if I came. Across. Oh, you, just because <laughs> see, I grew up, I came out of a, a literary criticism background. Yeah. So I have to subject myself to all kinds of obnoxious garbage. Man, I used to do that and it makes me, it depresses me. So it, I, it, I can't stop. I'm still, I'm still manic in that respect. Yeah. And it is the so now we're not only going to sneer at Schultz's past 20, the last 20 years, we're going to sneer at, at the at the at his crowning achievement. Right. Snoopy. And I agree. Snoopy. I, and, well, you know, it's so fashionable to sneer at, fashionable, at you know, fashionable to sneer at high quality and and, yeah. you know, high quality achievement and mm-hmm. and um, figure cultural figures who have who have worked hard to to um last you know over yeah. a period of years i mean you look at um i think both of us are beetle fans if i'm not well yeah, how could we not yeah. be i agree right exactly I, okay. so, peanuts and peanuts and the beetles to me are the same groove but yeah me too and, and, and lee you know yeah, i yeah. put all three of them together i all agree three, you know the beatles kirby and lee and yep uh, i agree yeah. entirely it's that 60s yeah totally well it's a happening culturally it, it is yeah it's happening it is, and and Dylan too. But yep. um, you know, I, I I think about those 
those icons who have lasted a long time. And you know, you don't last in the pop in the popular eye, uh, in the cultural center of the cultural storm for fifty or sixty years without taking some hits, yeah. but also without really having achieved some level of quality that is really impervious to all of the shit they'll throw at you. Yeah. You know, you're and, right. And the stuff that Schultz has, has done is impervious to that kind of crap. I mean, I think it a, is, too. Yeah. People can go on and write what they want to about, you know, dismiss this or dismiss that. And and, you know, I can you can give them their day. But at the end of it, Snoopy is still there. Charlie Brown is still there. Peanuts is still there. It will still be there after articles like that are, are long forgotten. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion between Brad Perry and myself. If you're looking for Brad's comics, you can go to gocomics.com, look up Pirate Mike, and uh, you will find a whole host of, of comics that Brad has been doing since, I think, November of last year. So check it out. If you're interested in my work, you can go to jeffgrogan.com. That's G-E-O-F-F-G-R-O-G-A-N.com, and you'll find podcasts and you will find uh, uh, lots of work I've done in the past. So please check that out. You can follow my strip Jetpack Jr. at gocomics.com slash jetpack hyphen junior and be on the lookout for new work from me, uh, a comic strip I've been working on for about a year or so now is getting ready to debut sometime in the near future. It's called Bella Dilemma and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So I'll let you know when it's coming. In the meantime, rate us on iTunes. Uh, if you look us up under Blockhead or Peanuts or Charles Schultz, I think you'll find us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. It's really going to help other people find the podcast. And I really, I'm hoping that people will begin to listen because uh, I want to bring in as many cartoonists to talk about Charles Schultz and celebrate Charles Schultz as possible. So uh, if we can get some more listeners, uh, all, all the better for Charles Schultz and Peanuts. Not that he needs any publicity from me, but uh, I think it's cool to have other cartoonists talking about him and keeping the work alive that way. And I think there's a lot to learn from other cartoonists about how they see Schultz and see Peanuts' impact on their work. So that, it's kind of fun. Look out for part two. It should be up within a week or so, maybe 10 days. You never know. Life gets in the way. I'll try to get it online as quick as possible. So uh, be on the lookout for part two of my interview with Brad Perry. In the meantime, uh, have a great week or so. And uh, be safe. Be careful. Hug a warm puppy. And uh, I'll see you soon. And thanks for listening.